a huge welcome to what is the first in a series of 10 podcasts in which Waitmans will delve into the forthcoming whiplash reforms. In this series, you will hear from experts, experts who will consider different aspects of the reforms and share their insights with you. I am Bavisa Rai, partner at Waitmans, and I'm joined today by Glyn Thompson, our technical lead for Mainstream Motor. Glyn is head of the motor sector's focus team at Foil and a member of its low value claims working group. He has been close to the reforms and the building of the online injury claims portal, the OIC, for several years now and is our chief commentator on all matters related to the reforms. Hello. So Glyn, can you talk us through the whiplash reforms? What are they and what do they mean? Okay, well, firstly, the phrase whiplash reforms is a bit of an umbrella term, really. Uh, it refers to the various changes to how low value injury claims will be handled after 31 May. And those changes primarily are these. Firstly, there will be the introduction of a fixed tariff or table of compensation for whiplash injuries lasting less than two years. Secondly, there is an increase in the small claims track limit for injury claims arising out of road traffic accidents. After May, the injury element must be worth more than £5,000 to exceed the small claims track limit. That is up, of course, from the existing limit of £1,000. And then thirdly, there is the creation of a new online portal through which those sub £5,000 claims will be processed. That's known, as you've said, as the online injury claim portal or the OIC portal. There'll also be a new practice direction which accompanies the portal and dictates the process to follow for taking such of those OIC portal claims as require it to call for adjudication. Okay. So we're going to have a tariff, an increase in the small claims track limit, OIC portal, practice direction. As we know from experience, Glenn, this can be very different in practice. So practically, what does it all mean? It means ensure less legal costs. So hopefully cheaper motor insurance for everyone. The law in England, England and Wales is such that we consider small claims capable of being pursued without the need for lawyers. So as things stand, any injury worth less than £1,000 is considered a small claim, so that if I'm pursuing such a claim, I cannot recover solicitors' costs on top of my damages. Any lawyer will tell you, however, that there are virtually no injury claims worth less than £1,000 these days. That means that in reality, all injury claims come with the ability to recover solicitors' costs. And come 31 May, that changes. So from May, all injury claims worth up to £5,000 are considered small claims. And as such, it's considered that they should be capable of being dealt with without lawyers. Wow. So some big changes here. A big jump from where we are today. It is, uh, maybe it seems like too big a jump, but let's not forget that the limit hasn't changed since 1991, that's 30 years. At that point, when it was set at 1,000 pounds, a reasonable proportion of all injury claimants in the UK 
would have had claims that fell below that threshold. But the JC guidelines have moved up and up and over the last three decades, the small claims track limit hasn't. So there are virtually no claims left anymore that fall below the threshold today. And the, lip, the whiplash reforms look to reset that and they look to reset what falls below the small claims track limit. Glenn, I understand the small claims track limit increase. Is there anything else our listeners need to know about, for example, does the increase apply to everyone? No, the increase we're talking about doesn't apply universally. It only applies to adult vehicle occupants with full capacity. That's the phrase to remember. Vehicle occupants are likely to suffer much less serious injuries than anyone external to a vehicle, of course. So their injuries should be more straightforward and so easier to pursue. So the increase doesn't apply to anyone outside the vehicle, firstly, such as pedestrians, cyclists, horse riders, motorcyclists, etc. They're known collectively as vulnerable road users. Okay. And it doesn't apply to those considered to need the assistance offered by solicitors, such as children, protected parties, the deceased, or bankrupts. So to pause here, however, recap, the reforms do not apply to vulnerable road users, children, protected parties, the deceased or bankrupts. What about when a claimant is pursuing the driver of a foreign registered vehicle? It doesn't apply to that situation either. So those claims are just considered too complicated to be pursued without legal representation if they're over the £1,000 threshold. So. As I say, the increase only really applies to adults with full capacity who were vehicle occupants. And that seems fair, I guess. No doubt that group makes up the majority of people injured in road traffic accidents anyway. Okay, let's move on to the tariff. How does the tariff fit in? So, for example, my understanding is that the tariff is for whiplash injuries only. So what happens in this scenario? If you have a whiplash injury and a non-whiplash injury. Will each be assessed separately? Well, let me start by saying that the tariff serves to pull even more claims and the most common types of injury claim whiplash below the new £5,000 small claims track limit. So currently, whiplash injuries with a prognosis of about 16 months or more are worth in excess of £5,000. After 31 May this year, only whiplash injuries with a prognosis of 24 months will have a value in excess of £5,000. So what I take from that is that for whiplash injuries, the tariff applies. Glenn, what about the non-whiplash injuries? What happens in that situation? Okay. Well, we know that the whiplash injury element has to be valued in accordance with the tariff. That's non-negotiable. We also know from the recent MIB demonstration of the system that the system will ask the compensator at what sum it values the non-whiplash injury element on top of the whiplash element. The compensator has to state a value there and then and it has to make an offer. The system doesn't prompt the compensator to make a discount to take account of the two separate injury sites, the whiplash and the non-whiplash. That's how we value dual site injuries today. We discount for the fact that a person suffers injuries at two sites at the same time. 
that lack of a discount facility in the system has caused lots of insurers to worry that the, the very effect of the tariff, which is the overall reduction in damages, will be lost. And all the MOJ has been able to say to appease lawyers is, well, it hopes that test cases will get to the Court of Appeal quickly and, and hopefully the Court of Appeal can provide some guidance on whether to discount or not. So a little unclear and unsatisfactory at present then. What about children and protected parties? I understand the lowest bracket for whiplash will be £240. How are those claimants expected to pursue such claims themselves? Well, the first thing to say on that is children and protected parties have always been expected to pursue some claims themselves, or should we say, to pursue claims without the benefit of recovering legal costs. Even now, a child with an injury claim worth less than £1,000 can't recover legal costs. But that doesn't change for the worst for children or protected parties in May. In fact, it changes slightly for the better. So from May, all children and protected parties who suffer whiplash are entitled to recover legal costs, no matter how modest their injury. So protected parties who just recover £240 can recover legal costs. Interesting. Can you elaborate on that and why that is the case? Well, again, it's society recognising that lots of children may be strapped into car seats or perhaps more protected than other vehicle occupants often only ever suffer the lowest level of whiplash injuries. So their injuries won't last long and they won't be worth much on the new tariff. If the current small claims track limit of, limit of £1,000 for children and protected parties was to stay in place, then the effect of the tariff would be to force lots of those claimants to have to more often pursue claims without lawyers. Glenn, we've discussed the small claims limit, the tariff. Let's now talk about the OIC portal. There has been a lot of talk about this portal. How does it actually fit into the picture? It's something extra, really. That's the way to think about it. The two reforms discussed already, the tariff and the increase in the small claims track limit, they serve to pull more claims below the small claims track limit. We've got that, I think. And the government might have stopped there, but the portal is the government's admission, really, that pursuing injury claims isn't straightforward and people do need some help. So the portal has been built with the specific purpose of helping that large group of people now expected to pursue injury claims themselves and, and to aid them as they do so without lawyers. So when you say pursue personal injury claims themselves without lawyers, you are referring to unrepresented claimants? How will that work in practice? Well, it works like an app on your phone. You could be on your bus to work and you decide to pursue your accident compensation claim, you enter your details and the details of the person you say was, was responsible for the accident and the system finds an insurer and directs your claim to that insurer. They then have six weeks to get back to you with a decision on liability. The claim sounds simple, but in reality, is it? Well, in theory, 
<laughs> the OIC port was simple, but overall the claims process looks more complex than ever, really. Come on, what do you mean by that? Well, the OIC system probably works best if you've got an injury that's obviously worth less than £5,000, if an insurer exists, if that insurer admits liability and the claimant suffers a simple injury, which is easy to quantify and compromise, you can see how it's designed for that kind of scenario. But problems start to creep in, or at the very least, the process becomes more complicated. If an insurer picked by the system says that they've got no obligation to pay the claim, or if there are liability issues, or if the insurer has fraud concerns, or if the losses or the amount of those losses end up being something more than a simple injury, it just becomes more complicated. Okay. We have the OIC portal for these types of claims. What happens to the existing RTA portal? Does that still exist? It does. Remember, this new portal exists to help that increased pool of claimants who will be expected to pursue injury claims themselves. The existing methods of pursuing claims, the RTA portal and more traditional litigation still exist, but it's envisaged, of course, that they'll see much less claims traffic because lots of claimants will now be expected to use the OIC portal. I'm picking our words here. You say expected. Do people have to use the OIC portal? Well, the new OIC portal, much like the RTA portal, flows from a pre-action protocol. And they, of course, set out how claims should be pursued. The difference with the OIC portal is that there's no cost consequence. So failure to use the RTA portal as a lawyer, and, and you're limited to RTA portal costs. With the OIC portal, there's no cost consequence either way. So use it or don't use it, but it's definitely designed to make life easier for all. From what I know so far, and certainly from what I've read, the OIC portal is far from straightforward. Would that be a fair assessment? I think, I think that's fair comment. We spent a lot of time here talking about the tariff and the increase in the small claims track limit. But the real issue that will challenge everyone over the coming months is the OIC portal. Unlike the RTA portal, it is designed to be used by anyone and everyone. It deals with indemnity, liability. It allows for fraud to be alleged. It instructs experts. It even takes claimants without lawyers to call for all manner of hearings. Uh, we're touching on the new OIC portal today, but going forward, these podcasts will really focus much more on the detail. You've given a great overview of the reforms and what to expect. So tell me, what's in store for the next podcast? The next podcast will focus on liability. Unlike the RTA portal, the OIC portal is designed, remember, for claimants pursuing claims themselves, and it facilitates them either negotiating a compromise of liability or proceeding to call for what, in essence, will be a liability trial. Okay. okay, daunting stuff for some, I'm sure. I look forward to discussing that with you next time. For now, thank you very much, Glyn, for giving us an overview of the whiplash reforms and sharing your insights with us. You're very welcome. We hope you enjoyed this first in a series of 10 podcasts. Please do look out for the second in the series on all matters 
liability in the OIC portal, which will be released soon. If in the meantime you want to discuss any aspects of these reforms, then please do not hesitate to contact Glyn Thompson, whose details will appear at the end of the podcast. So all that remains is for me to say a huge thank you for listening and we look forward to you joining us in the second podcast of this series. Thank you.